tonight and uh, make our way to the gospel according to Matthew, Matthew chapter number 6, Matthew chapter number 6, uh, we're going to find our text tonight in verse 25 and we'll come down through verse number 34, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 down through verse 34 and the uh, title of the message is the battle of being anxious, the battle of being anxious uh, or you could just simply say don't be anxious. Uh, as Jesus is going to say here. But let's let's look at this together tonight and pray to encourage you. Begin reading in verse 25. It's Jesus is speaking here and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need need, need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is a uh, very practical, I guess, Christian message for us, but is rooted in much theology as well. Um, you think about just the issue of anxiety. Anybody ever battle anxiety? I'd say it's a big yes for probably all of us. You say, well, what is anxiety? In short, it's a form of worry of the mind that is provoked by a need or uh, a concern. And uh, there's, well, there's all forms of anxiety. People worry about many things uh, in life, and especially over the provisions uh, and needs that we often need. I mean, people worry about their food, they worry about the clothes, their vehicles, their bills, their jobs. I mean, you could throw anything you want to that, we, that is part of life into that mix that we might worry about. They're real, everyday things in our lives that are important to us in general. Uh, many people worry about daily necessities, or then on the other hand, there's those that worry about their luxuries. Uh, luxuries are different than necessities, aren't they? Um, luxuries are those things that you don't necessarily have to have. We all have a mixture of needs and, uh, and luxuries, and um, it just seems like that's, that's just kind of how life is. Things pile up on us. Uh, you know, as we moved here, we loaded up that truck full of stuff, and I looked at that truck and I thought, how in the world did we get so much junk? If you've ever moved, you understand how that goes, and I know that you all who helped us move in probably think the same thing. Who in the world is this? <laughs> With all his junk to unload, we had had it loaded to the brim, and uh, so we're, we've decided we're going to have a really big yard sale in the near future and uh, try to get rid of a bunch of stuff. Uh, but we th- you think about how people worry about things. They worry about their needs, and they also worry about their luxuries. And, and Jesus here is teaching his disciples and many others in this Sermon on the Mount uh, about this very issue. Now, this sermon's a rich sermon. It's, it's such a wonderful discourse from Christ himself. Uh, it's got great truth for the Christian life as well as the kingdom of God. 
But Jesus taught about earlier the difference between earthly treasure and heavenly treasure. And we'll touch on that here in just a moment. Uh, but sometimes it can be hard for us to focus on the heavenly things if we're so worried about earthly things, if we become anxious about the things of this life. And I think it's important to understand that, that that's in the context of what he just said, and I'll bring that out here in just a moment. Uh, but I want us to see something about this, that Jesus, he's not unaware of the anxieties that we experience. Sometimes we may feel like that. But he's not. He's not aware of the anxieties we experience, the worries we have. In fact, that's the very reason he gave us this passage, is to deal with this issue that we face. It's a battle in itself. So uh, here in our notes tonight, I want to kind of break this down just to three overall headings, and we'll look at this together. And uh, number one, I want you to see just the fundamental perspective, the fundamental perspective that we see here with Jesus when he's teaching. And it's very basic, it's just a basic command, and he says here, we're commanded not to worry. If you look at verse 25, he says, therefore I tell you, be, do, don't, do not be anxious about your life. Now, I note this, that he says, therefore I tell you. Now, that, what does therefore mean? It means it's connected to what's before, right? To what he just said, what he's already been teaching. And so what he's already been teaching in this Sermon on the Mount, you look at verse 19 through verse 24 for a moment, and here's what he said. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is dark, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So you see, Jesus lays out this perspective, or really a focus what the Christian should have, as to what treasure we're laying out. Earthly treasure versus heavenly treasure, uh, serving God or serving money. And what we find is that this plainly shows the Christian that all the stuff here below, it's not going to last, but what we do for Christ will last, right? First uh, John chapter 2, I think, tells us that very plainly. The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. And so, really, this is a gauge for our own hearts, Verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's a challenge to all of us. We ask ourselves, where is our treasure? What is it that we prize the most? That will be a revelation to where our heart is. And so it's in connection with this, based on what Jesus says concerning the earthly and the heavenly, that Jesus brings us to verse 25, where he says this command. He says, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life. We probably have no clue how many people genuinely are anxious about their life. Anxiety is always linked usually to our own life in some form or fashion, isn't it? Um, it could be directly involved with some of the simple things that he's going to list here, like food and clothing. Uh, it could be our job. It could be our health. It could be uh, the future. It could be something going on in, in our life or family. Uh, some may also experience anxiety over things distant from our life that we think will in turn impact our lives in one way or another. Uh, for example, you think about uh, elections or foreign wars or weather disasters. Uh, I mean, I've heard from people that were just talking about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, and uh, they just, they're just in, in fear, like 
why are you so afraid? You're way over here, and uh, uh, God's in control of your life and the nations. Uh, people get anxious about a lot of things that go on in this world, uh, especially when it directly involves their own life. Now, in this case, Jesus is talking about the immediate needs of living. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. As we look at those three things, those are just everyday things that we are kind of routine, right? We get up and we get our clothes on, get dressed for the day, so we're thinking about what we're going to put on. Uh, We're thinking about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink, and um, so that's, that seems like fundamental things, right? This really isn't maybe a big worry for us, but it is for some people. I know my son, it's the biggest worry of his in the world. Uh, we usually, he'll wake up before us, and you know what he does? He comes right in our room, and he gets right in your face while you're still asleep. And he says, Dad, I'm hungry. What am I going to eat? That's his, that's his first question. And usually, if, I, if, he, if he's up too early, I'll say, okay, go on, go out for a few minutes. And I'll be up in just a minute make you breakfast. Five minutes later, he's in my face again. Dad, I'm hungry. What are we going to eat? And if we go an hour later, he's concerned with, what are we going to eat, Dad? So he's constantly thinking about his food and what's coming next. That may not seem like a big thing to many of us. But there are many people who have what they're going to eat or drink the next day. We're very blessed. We ought to counter blessings just with that reality. You think about in Jesus' context, those in ancient cultures, they didn't have the luxury of just going down to the grocery store. They may have had some forms of marketplaces, but uh, it was not as ready available to just get everything you needed when you wanted it. Uh, We ourselves, what if we were to experience an economic collapse and food shortages and the grocery stores were lacking their their substance? What What if something like that were to happen? Think about Christians in persecuted areas where uh, they're under the anxiety of how their needs are going to be met, and they don't have the same freedoms and liberties that we have. Um, when the right mix of bad circumstances hits us, guess what usually enters our mind and heart? Anxiety and worry. That's usually how it happens. Now, Jesus wants his listeners here to get the picture of anxiety. The word anxious here is the key word in this passage. It's used six times. You'll see it repeated, and three of those times is with the command to do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Well, we think we know what anxious means, but the Greek definition here is to be apprehensive. It's to have anxiety, uh, to be unduly concerned. I mean, we would simply say it's, it's worry. So Jesus wants them not to be anxious about their daily necessities. Now, this teaching does not mean that we're to sit around and be lazy and not work and just things to fall out of the sky. I know some people go so far as to just say, well, God's going to take care of me, so I'm going to not work at all. I'm not going to do anything. Uh, there is certainly a, a wise balance that Scripture gives us. In fact, Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, 8, he said, if anyone provide for his relatives, especially members of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So there is a, a charge to Christians to work, to provide for themselves, provide for their homes. While Christians must work, they're not to be worrisome, because at the core of worry is a form of doubt. In essence, we lack faith in God to provide for us. We lack faith in God to uh, give us our needs when we need them. And uh, essentially, when you look at this whole picture, what is the core issue here? It's faith. We ought to always trust the Lord. We ought to live by faith. We ought to trust Him, and we know that faith is what pleases Him. He tells us in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
And whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we know that the Christian life, it is founded upon faith. Uh, Paul said that we walk by faith, not by sight. And usually it's what we see or hear uh, that brings us anxiety. And so we often need to bring our, bring our attention back to the reality that we're to live by faith. So faith looks to the creator and trusts him with what we need. So this command to do not be anxious is also a call to faith. It's a call to trust in the creator. So after Jesus says, do not be anxious, he continues with good reason for not being anxious. And so we see this second aspect here of the fundamental perspective, all right? Not only are we not to worry, we're commanded not to worry, we are reminded of simple provisions that God makes. We're reminded of simple provisions. Now, if you look at verse 25 again, notice what he says. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus is pointing out the value of your life compared to these earthly things, the value of it. Now, he proves this point in verse 26 through verse 29. And so let's read this. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? We'll pause there for a moment. But look at verse 26. He says, look to the birds of the air. This is a a real-life illustration of creation that he's giving. Look to the birds of the air and, and see something about them. And what does he say? He says, these birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They don't work as humans do, and yet they're taken care of. They're provided for. They don't do the things we do to, to, to try and earn, earn a living. And yet the Lord cares for the birds. He cares and feeds them and takes care of them. Psalm 147.9 says, He gives the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. God is one who has ordained in his creation how life works and how we're provided for. And so we just think about God as the creator, how he has given his whole creation. He provides for his whole creation uh, what it needs. I like this quote from John Phillips. He's reading a little bit about this. He says, there's not a millionaire in the world who could afford to feed all the birds just for one day. But God never stops feeding them. We're of much more value than the birds. God cares for them. And, of course, he cares for us. Here's the reality. Sometimes when we, are, we come into a, a moment of anxiety, sometimes we forget about all that we know God has promised. Because what, that which worries us usually comes to the forefront of our minds, and that's what we begin to focus on. Our focus is shifted from trusting God to an immediate need that you maybe don't see how it's going to come to pass. And, and so that's really the trick of what anxiety does to our mind. And here's the point in this is that we're far more valuable in the eyes of God than the birds, and he even takes care of the birds. Think about that. Why does he take care of us so much? Well, we see, firstly, we're we're made in the image of God. We're not like the animals. Uh, We're made in the image of God. That's a very special thing. Genesis 127, he said, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female created he them. But above that, as a born-again Christian, you understand that you are a child of God. I mean, just ponder on, on what that means, to be a child of the eternal God uh, who created and sustains his creation. Now, notice what Jesus says next. In verse 27, 
Jesus asked this question, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Span here is just your period of time that one's life continues, the age or your time of life. Now, we all know that life is the most precious thing we have, right? It's very important to us, and often anxiety about dying comes to the forefront. Um, to be honest with you, I never really had much anxiety at all till I hit 30 years old. When I hit 30 years old, I thought, my life is about over. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that way, but, uh, you know, 25 it wasn't that way, 28, 29, but I hit 30. Ask Bethany, I was depressed on my 30th birthday. And after 30, I became so anxious about life, anxious about life. And I think some of that was subconscious for me because my dad died at 51, and he just, he, he had just, he just dropped dead at work. Uh, his heart failed. We had, didn't have a clue about it. And so that running through my mind had me thinking at 30, man, I'm, I'm over halfway to where he is, and I'm just probably going to die the same way he did. He did. And, and so that so- cycled through my mind, and I had anxiety after anxiety after anxiety, so much you have panic attacks. It felt like I was having a heart attack, all sorts of things, because I was so worried about leaving life and leaving my kids behind and my wife and, and, and all of those things. But anxiety over nearing death, it does not change our appointed time of life. It doesn't change it. And as a Christian, this is what we have to bring our mind back to, is the fact that God's already appointed our days, and I'm not going to do anything to stop that. And my worrying doesn't extend my life at all. How many of us would love an extra hour to live? Sure, we'd all say yes. But anxiety doesn't increase our span of life. Worrying about it doesn't. God's already pointed our days. Job, when he's talking about the brevity of life and his own brevity of life, in Job 14.5, he says, Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. He's talking about a man's life, even his own. Now this brings us to the answer of Jesus' question. Who by worrying or being anxious can add one hour to a span of life? The answer to that is no one. Worrying does not do that. And find, in fact, actually, what you'll find is anxiety, prolonged anxiety of such, is actually bad for your health. It's hard on your heart and your organs and, uh, and can be hard on your, your life in general. So bottom line is this, is that worry does nothing to help us. Anxiety does nothing to help us. And we have to bring our minds back to remember that in the moment of anxiety because it's often then that we forget. Now, to illustrate the provision of clothing, Jesus talks about the lilies of the field in verse 28 through 30. Here's what he says. He says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So another example from nature, creation, the lilies. He says they neither toil nor spin. They don't labor to be clothed like they are. God simply has clothed them and takes care of them. And he even uses this example of Solomon. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Was Solomon arrayed well? Of course he was. He was rich. 1 Kings 10.23 tells us, Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. I mean, if, of all the examples, Jesus uses Solomon. He, even he wasn't as well clothed as the lilies of the fields. And, and so if God clothes the lilies, which are here a moment and then gone, will he not much more clothe you? All of this really brings a challenge to us as Christians. 
to consider that the sovereign over all creation will care for and provide for his people with their needs when they need it. Now, determining what our needs are when we need them is sometimes doesn't coincide with us and God because a lot of things we think our needs are actually wants, and God's not going to give those. Sometimes he does bless us with our wants, and that's fine. But understand that God always gives us our needs when we need them. He's always the one who provides what we need. And so we are prone to worry. That's our nature. But the bottom line is that worry doesn't change anything or provide anything. I heard this little illustration. There was an exasperated husband asked his wife, said, why are you always worrying when it doesn't do any good? And she quickly piped back and said, yes, it does. 90% of the things I worry about never happen. (laughs) You ever been there? Worry about something over and over again? And then it never even comes to pass? Yep. So that's the fundamental perspective, not to worry. And remember God's simple provisions, even his creation. Notice with me number two tonight. We see the Father's provision, and this is really where it ties together with what Jesus is saying. In verse 31 and verse 32, we see two things that are important for us to remember about God, and we've briefly covered these in some of our last Wednesday message messages, but here's just two things to remember when you come to worry about your needs. Number one is this, is that God is omniscient, or you could put all-knowing. God is omniscient. This is a wonderful, wonderful attribute of God. The knowledge of God has no limits. We've already seen some of these passages in recent days, but I'll read them again. Isaiah 40 and verse 28, Isaiah the prophet writes, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 145, excuse me, Psalm 147, 5, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. You see, there's not anything that God doesn't know. He knows all things. And so the fact that he knows every detail, past, present, and future, this knowledge that God has is one reason for us not to be anxious. The very attributes of God are reason for us not to be anxious, not to be worrisome. Why? Well, look at verse 32. What does he say? He says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Last statement there of that verse. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Maybe you could think of a need that you have right now. God already knows about that. It's not a surprise to him. The Father knows about it. And think about this. You have needs next week that you don't even have a clue about, and God's already got them figured out for you. Think about that. You're going to have a need next year that you have no clue about, and it may be the biggest need of your life. The Father's already got it taken care of. That really makes me feel small when I start worrying about stuff because he's already got it handled. Um, He's he's already uh, mapped out how he's going to take care of us, and it's through all these things that he grows us as well. So he's already arranged these things. So we see why the knowledge of God is important to our lives. His omniscience should settle down our anxiety. Now, notice that Jesus says that the Heavenly Father knows what we have need of, but there's another statement that he puts before this, all right? I didn't skip it, not to return to it. He says, for the Gentiles seek after these things. The Gentiles seek after these things. Notice what Jesus is doing. He's characterizing the anxious worry with people who do not know God. Think about that. 
Now, Gentiles here in that day, they were identified as the godless people of the world. They were separated from the God of Israel. Um, This does not characterize us today as Christians, though. We know that Jew and Gentile, they are one in Christ. But if you read the Old Testament, Gentiles were viewed by the Jews as dogs, as those who just weren't the people of God. They were separated. You go read Ephesians 2, and it's a wonderful passage. Uh, Paul says, uh, of us who were Gentiles, we were separated and strangers from the covenants of promise. But now in Christ Jesus, by his blood, we've been made nigh and we've become one, uh, one people of God. He says this in Ephesians 2.19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So it's a wonderful thing to know that we are the people of God, both Jew and Gentile. But what we see here is that Jesus is speaking of the Gentiles as those who do not know God and characterizes them as being anxious over the things of life. And by all means, if you don't know God, you have a lot of reason to worry. You have a lot of reason to worry. Those who don't know Christ have more reason to worry than anybody. They're not his children, but to the child of God who knows about the character of God, we have no reason to worry. Why? Because he's our Heavenly Father and he takes care of his children. Always does. He's, he, he takes care of us, even in that which we don't even recognize sometimes. You know, as a, a child, you know, think of my own children, Jubilee and David, and even Spurgeon now. Uh, they don't really have to worry about where their next meal's coming from, do they? I mean, David may be worried about when breakfast is, but he knows breakfast is coming, right? He knows mom and dad are going to feed him. They're, they're not worried about trying to go to the store or trying to make a few bucks to try and go go. Uh, uh, pay for the grocery bill. They just know. Mom and dad's going to have food. It's just a matter of time. And I thought about that in the realm of us as God's children and how he will take care of us. And I also thought about, man, what it would be out again. <laughs> I was so anxious to move out of the house. And then once I moved out of the house, I thought, what, why was I so anxious to do that, so excited to do that? As soon as I moved out, I got all the bills. I got to take care of everything. And and, uh, you know, you're no longer under the roof of your, your mom and dad taking care of all that. So if you're still living at home, cherish that and take advantage of it uh, until, you're done, until it's time, for, until God says to, to move on out. Um, but, but think about this in the realm of our Christian life. The omniscience of the Father should permeate our minds when we begin to worry. Remember God's character, which brings us to the second attribute I think is important here, is God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. This is another thing. Not only does God know our needs, he can also provide those needs, even if they seem impossible. Why? Because he literally can do all things. There's nothing he can't do. There's nothing God cannot do in his power. So meditate upon the power of God. We think about his power. How did God create things? When I think about how powerful God is, I think about creation. He just spoke. I mean, the eternal self-existent God just spoke and that which did not exist suddenly existed. Psalm 33, 6, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. Everything we see in creation, by the very breath of his mouth. What does, what does God own of his creation? Every single bit of it. Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and the world knows it dwell in. What, what can God not do? Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing, his power is too hard. 
Now, you may have a need that seems hard to be fulfilled right now, but understand that it's not beyond the power of God if that is his will. Knowing God's power is a key in trusting him and resolving anxiety and worry. Now, knowing God was leading us here to Arkansas, that it, it, when, when I knew that that was happening and knew that God was calling us here, then I began to have worries. Why? What about you all? I promise. I knew God was calling us here. It was about all the details of what's going to be involved with this. How am I going to move? How am I going to find a place to live? How am I going to work out all these things? I mean, I think the thought of buying a house in this market gave me anxiety. The thought of renting was a slim option as we kept looking and looking for months. And we finally settled in our minds that if the Lord's truly in this, he's going to provide what we needed. He's going to in his right time. And little by little, every detail was met from the house we chose to the ability to close, the timing of the closing. I look back on everything, and it's truly mind-boggling how God just arranged everything. He just did it. Um, It wasn't of me. It wasn't of us. It was just the providence of God. But back then, it was a big worry for me. I thought, how, how in the world is this going to happen? This seems like a major deal. Now, you could, you could throw your own illustration in there and think of something in your life where something was a major deal to you, and you wondered, how in the world is God going to do this? And hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You come through it, and you realize and see. You see in hindsight how God provided your need. You may have a great right need, right, great need right now that you don't see a way, but remember the power of God. When you're burdened with the needs of your life, don't hold them in and be anxious and try to feel like you've got to handle them yourself. That's one thing that increases our anxiety when we have a need and we try to hone it in and think we've got to hold on to it. You need to go to the Lord in prayer and by faith try your best to give that up to him. I want you to see a parallel passage here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 through 7. Notice this passage that Paul writes to the Philippians. I love this, this, these couple of verses. He says to them in verse 6 of Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice that Paul gives the same command that Jesus gives. He says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. But Paul adds, about anything. (laughs) Not just your food, clothing, or water. About anything. And instead of being anxious, there's something that we're to to do with that anxiety. It doesn't mean that it's never going to come, okay? It means that when it does come, you do something with it. You try your best to do something with it. And here's what he tells us to do. He says, by prayer... And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So, what are we to do with these anxious cares that we have? We're to take them to the Lord. And what's the result of taking these to the Lord? The result is verse 7 the peace of God that passeth all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Now, everybody wants the peace of God that passes all understanding, right? But how few go to God in prayer and give thanks to Him? We're too prone to hold on to things ourselves. Myself included. Myself included. So if you want that peace, there's a prerequisite for that. Peter gave another reference here. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. I've always loved this quote by Martin Luther. He said, pray and let God worry. (laughs) That's a good one. 
pray and let God worry. What's the sense of us worrying? Sometimes we lay awake at night worrying about stuff and we forget we're not God. We're not Him. We've got to remember, you know what? I'm not God and He's going to take care of whatever it is I'm worrying about and I can just trust His providence with that. So don't forget about the Father's provision. It never fails. If God provided salvation for us, He is sure going to take care of us the rest of the way. He is as His children. So our primary concern shouldn't be worrying about all these needs and wants and things of this world, things of this life. What really then should be our primary concern? That leads us to number three. And this really it kind of ties together all that Jesus has said from the passage. Number three is the first priority, and this is what I want you to see. Here's the first priority. It's to seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom first. Look at what he says here in verse number 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You see, the thrust here, this command to not be anxious, is rooted in what our true concern in life should be. It should be about the kingdom of God. Now, we look at this priority for the believer's life. You understand that the kingdom of God is where we belong and what we're a part of already. Paul said in Colossians 1.13 to the Colossian believers, he said, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So you understand that we are part of God's kingdom. And what did he say about his kingdom? You read his parables. He says, like a mustard seed. It begins very small and then grows. It's like leaven in bread. So it started with his ministry, and it has permeated and spread throughout the world. It continues to spread throughout the world, and it will continue to spread throughout the world. And what we're to focus on is the fact that we're part of that grand eternal endeavor that he's given us. Now, I believe that Jesus, he is the one who is the sovereign. He's the one who's king. He's the one who reigns. He uses us as his people to reach the nations with the gospel and to exalt his name among the world. I want you to understand that everything that we do in our Christian lives has kingdom significance. Our personal Christian walk, our worship with God's people, our marriage, our parenting, the jobs where we work, our finances, our health, everything. Everything is significant to what God is doing in this world. And so the kingdom of God is our calling. Now, has Jesus mentioned this already in his sermon? He has. We know that as he began his ministry, he came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, So he said, believe the gospel. Uh, But then you come backwards into in our text just for a moment. And notice what he says as he's teaching on prayer in Matthew 6, verse 9 through 10. He says, pray like then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you see, he's teaching them to pray with a kingdom mindset. Teaching them to pray in that way. So the kingdom's at the forefront here. In, in his opening Beatitudes, he says, uh, shows the importance of hungering for righteousness. So you look at Matthew 5 and verse 6. And what's he say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So the kingdom of God and righteousness, he, Jesus is saying here, don't be anxious about all the other things of the earthly needs that you have, but rather your focus, your first priority of life should be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I believe that our lives must be kingdom-oriented because Jesus is the king and we belong to him. And living our lives in accordance with the word of God must transcend 
any and all circumstances of life and any and all needs that we may have. We don't stop living according to the word of God when we enter circumstances that we're really worried about. We continue. In fact, that's where you will shine bright. I think of Job, Job who went through great trial in Job 23 and verse 11 through 12. I love this passage where Job is speaking here and he says, my foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Think about that. He's treasured the words of his mouth more than his food. He's not stepped aside from following after the Lord. So I think that it's important for us to hold that same conviction. And notice with me lastly as we close tonight, we see not only that we're to seek the kingdom first, but we're to trust the king with everything. We're to trust the king with everything. And look at verse 33. He says to us to seek the kingdom and his righteousness first. And then what comes after that? It says, all these things will be added to you. What things? The things he said not to be anxious about. The things he's been talking about. The things that he, the earthly things that we're not to be, uh, become worrisome about. This is his promise. You see, we learn to trust the king while seeking his kingdom above all else. And as Christians live out verse 33, they are a bright light for the glory of Christ. We're to live by faith. We're to put what's first in its proper place. Warren Wiersbe said this about this passage, what a testimony it is to the world when a Christian dares to practice Matthew 6.33. What a tragedy it is when many of us fail to practice we ask ourselves, do we believe God's going to care for us? We ought to all say yes. Every day of our lives, God takes care of us and will continue to do so. David said this in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. God takes care of his own people. And so with all this in mind, there is no sense in worrying about the things that we don't know exactly about how they're going to come about there's no sense in worrying about tomorrow when every day has its own plate full and that's essentially what Jesus says here in verse 34 he says therefore again based on what he just said do not be anxious there's the final command there do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble we already know this as we live each day every day has its own challenges its own troubles, why worry about tomorrow when you're not even there yet, right? You might not even make it to tomorrow. A lot of people worry about things that's going to happen next week, and they don't make it to next week. So We have to live with this understanding that uh, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Day by day, every day, we ought to be setting our faith upon Christ, living for his kingdom, and trusting his sovereignty, and uh, knowing knowing that he's going to care for us in his way that he deems best. We're not going to lack uh, what we're in need of. And so when we trust him by faith and we live in this way, uh, we'll bring great glory to him and be an agent in advancing uh, his kingdom in this world. So the battle of being anxious, it's a real battle, but it's a battle that Jesus gives us instruction on uh, that we can gain victory over. And I pray that we can all do that tonight. All right. Well, that-